Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It's the Oz Network's continued coverage of 24, day four, as we are up to hour number 14, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, this is the Thunderball episode. Sorry, we're here to recap Thunderball, the fourth oh, film shit. in the James Bond series. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we get a little bit of Jack Bauer in this version of Thunderball, so much better than the remake Never Say Never Again. So already improvements in 24's remake of Thunderball. We also get Chubby Rain in this episode. I know! I was wondering if you would recognize Chubby I Rain Raider. I recognize Chubby Rain, don't worry. <laughs> I have a lot of issues taking him seriously after Bowfinger. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, uh, this is an episode, and it is... I, what I find interesting is that this episode is almost like a good companion piece to the next episode, but uh, seeing the next episode kind of improves this a little bit. Although once I get to the end of my rankings, I'm still not sure what I'm going to do. Um, let's get it started. My name is Colin and I'm sick of people talking to me. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, especially people who don't work here. And my name is Ben and please Colin, don't let them hurt the children. <laughs> I was supposed to be, we swapped lines here. <laughs> oh, well. That's all right. I, this I, be mine. Yeah. Ben, where are the kids? <laughs> Open the door. Let them up. Put, put your clothes back on, Ben. Uh. Uh, <laughs> that was an alternate line of mine, yeah? Yep. Um, yeah, so this episode, we'll get to the Thunderbolt. We're actually going to do the Thunderbolt stuff last because it kind of is what ties into the next episode. But, yeah, this is Thunderball to a certain extent. But uh, outside of that, like you said, we get – chubby rain um we get the death the death of a character which uh, i did hear the commentary i will say this episode was kofano ayakofano ayakofano um this is what's a what's a no time to die guy um Fukunaga, uh, Naga, Naga. director oh Fukunaga. this is harry fukunagwa's kofano. uh no way to say this one probably and this one was my birthday episode so march 21st 2005 um i probably was just re-watching this episode on my birthday <laughs> the one thing i always found interesting about season four though is that i always remember most vividly the stuff in the first half of the season i'm like the secretary getting kidnapped jack teaming up with paul a lot of torture um paul getting shot blackout stuff like that and then the second half right now is sort of at that stage where i'm like oh yeah this was part of the season but yet this is sort of the beginning of the best stuff in the series. Now that everything's flooding back to me, I'm like, oh, now we're getting into the good stuff here. So um, at, at the same time, I don't know necessarily whether I love this episode or think that it's it's okay, but uh, it's definitely building towards the best stuff that's still to come. I think it's a solid point because I'm kind of the same with season four, but there are definitely moments of the second half I remember and we're only a couple of weeks away 
from one of those moments. Oh yeah. And then like like it's it's sort of we're in that weird little period where you get really good stuff, then you get Jack robbing a liquor store, then you get some good stuff, then you get rubbish run, then you kind of get like a lot of build up, a lot of setup, and then we get like an epic episode in about two weeks. And then even the episode that follows that is good. And then there's some setup that goes on to some amazing stuff. And, like, there's maybe one of the most important episodes in all of 24 to come in this season because it basically lays the foundation for what's to come for the entire remainder of the series. Without this one episode, we don't pretty much get the majority of what happens in the majority of the rest of the show. Uh, And then it kind of ends on a very odd note so like it, it is a strange season but uh, it's not terrible and these are kind of those episodes I, I i don't mind this episode i don't think mm-hmm. it's amazing but it's still decent again i'm loving the setup as you're calling it the thunderball stuff and i think we've got some great acting between characters in this episode um but i'm with you it's sort of more setting things up for next week and everything else that's kind of gonna come from the following weeks but um yeah, I mean, chubby rain. Uh, I <laughs> even when I did my rewatch of this, like like my speed rewatch last year, I I was gonna message you going like, hey, that guy from Bowfingers in. I forgot about that. And then I obviously forgot that he was in it. So when he shows up in this episode, I'm like, hey, chubby rain, there he is. <laughs> yeah, I completely and I would have recognized him because I mean, Bowfinger. I mean, uh, I, I from the moment that movie first came out, like opening weekend, that was like I, I probably thought the funniest movie I've ever seen. I still say to this day, funniest movie I've ever seen. Um, but I forgot the guy was in this and he's really not long for it. That's what's kind of weird about this episode. Cause his character, they drop his name and I'm like, there was another henchman. Like, is there another henchman that we haven't met yet? Like, I don't, I don't remember this at all. And the way they sort of build up through this episode is like, Oh, well he's going to be another one of the big guys. And he's, gone within one episode sadly but uh it, it's it's definitely weird to watch him and not have his face melting with ice cream pouring out in bad visual <laughs> effects from pod people or whatever um before uh before we get into the main parts of the story i don't know if you'll have anything to say on this um one storyline we can get away very quickly that heller feller he's got his own storyline again He's been talking to the president. He briefed him on Marwan. They talked about how the country can't withstand another attack, which I, that's one of those things where it's like, oh, slow build here. What if there's another attack? There's a quick discussion on whether they want to uh, initiate martial law. And then Heller quickly says goodbye to Audrey, which is a very nice scene. Uh, and then Heller's gone, which, you know, spoiler for next week, the one episode that Heller's not even in, which I think is kind of done intentionally because there is another attack that's still to come. And, you know, we're going to have to have people kind of forget about the president and everything for a while. So I'm thinking this was intentional. I mean, maybe when we get to the trivia next week, we'll see whether um, William Devane just had some prior obligation, but he's just written out quickly. I got to deal with some, some president. Sorry. I'm relinquishing my command of CTU that I never had in the first place. Yeah. Um, it's, it is interesting looking that way, but I, I do love the way they get rid of him because I, I know it's probably time more into the Audrey Jack stuff. But it's kind of like he's on the phone, like, yeah, sup, Mr. President. Um, Mr. President, I need you. Johnny from accounting is coming to L.A. and you need to work on some accounts. And also, I like that line when the president says, we can't, I don't think this country can handle another attack. Well, the attack that happens in about two weeks is probably the one that would fracture the U.S. the most. Um, so I feel that's a bit of an over, you know, bearing of a line that doesn't really come to fruition. But I do love, like, Audrey sitting there. Poor Audrey. You know, again, I'm tying this in, you know, to other stuff, but she's had an emotional day. She's sitting there. She's crying. She's like, 
I think I might still love Paul. And then her dad's like, this is awkward. I've got to go. Uh, but love you. Bye. <laughs> You're muted, by the way, Boomer. Um, so, uh, like, I just... I just <laughs> yeah, there we go. There's a laugh. I was wondering why I was very silent. But I just, I just love the way, like, because you just, you literally have this, like, pause. Like, yeah, so i got to go. Uh, and then he's just like, okay, see ya, bye. Um, it, I know you watched, um, I think you told me you watched The Vicar of Dibley. This is a really yeah. random connection, but in the Christmas episode, I, I don't know how much you remember it because obviously I watch it every year, but it just reminds me of the scene when Dawn French Vicar, Geraldine's like trying to read her speech to the creepy farmer guy and he's like, all right, I'll listen. So she's like <laughs> reading it. And obviously like everyone just, the joke is everyone's bored of her reading it. So she's getting into it. It's really emotional. And he goes like, well, actually, no, I've got to go. Those, uh, the manure won't wipe itself off the walls. And she's like, yep, all right. Yep. No, that's understandable. Yep. No one cares. Like that to me, just Audrey just going, yep, that's all right, dad. Go meet Jerry from accounting. I'll be fine here dealing with who do I love the most. Um, but yeah, I mean, one thing we should mention just in terms of the presidential storyline, obviously it's going to get quite important in a couple of weeks, but we're only two episodes away from beating a certain future president who may or may not be the most evil person in all yeah. of 24. Um, and also a week away from meeting a guest on this show who is a beloved. Yeah. I forgot that he comes in so soon with not grey hair, <laughs> which is kind of weird to watch. But anyway, <laughs> thanks, Willem Devane. Enjoy your couple of weeks away. Uh, it's really funny you brought up the whole I gotta go thing because I mean the, the way this episode actually starts we'll kind of do this the Jack splits off from CTU so we'll do that separate but everything in the CTU involving Jack and everything here last episode Paul got shot was it once or twice I can't remember because now the previously ons tell me otherwise <laughs> but uh, Paul's bleeding out in the chopper and this is the alternate version that the alternate ending of the previous episode where it was a very quiet phone call as Paul was being brought on a stretcher with Jack calling Audrey. Uh, this is the more intense version. It's like, you know, uh, Audrey it's Jack. Listen, bad news. Your husband's been shot. Maybe once, maybe twice. We're still trying to look over the footage. Um, on a helicopter, but- <laughs> on a cell phone. And Jack's just like, yeah, exactly. hey, Audrey. Audrey should be like, what's that noise? I can't yeah. hear you. <laughs> Yeah, we went over this back in season two about it's amazing what you can hear in 24 land. AT&T on in 2005, and their, um, their helicopter noise removal plan was very popular in LA. <laughs> but I mean, I, I really do like the, the more intense version of this scene, even though I think that the previous one would have kind of worked as a very downer cliffhanger. Uh, but during this conversation, you get like Jack feeling bad for the first time. I mean, he's tortured the man and, and now he's getting to this point in the season where he's like, maybe I went too far. Uh, and he even says that the lie to her is like, Audrey, I'm sorry. Audrey, I'm sorry. <laughs> Audrey, what? I'm huh? sorry. <laughs> who, what, who is this? Stop calling me. <laughs> but I don't know if you caught Audrey's response to him was literally, yeah, I got to go. <laughs> Except the phone. <laughs> it's a, it's a Reigns family tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like father like daughter here um paul arrives uh audrey's freaking out now please tell me jack that he's not gonna die please tell me he's not gonna die <laughs> i don't jack i don't think he gives her an answer here which is uh yeah i i i, I the funny thing is somebody's screaming up there somebody else is dying um but, but i've uh, gotta go colin uh. i gotta go <laughs> i'm not a heller i just let them scream uh, but uh you've watched this whole season like i kind of thought that paul died 
almost immediately after this. Sorry, spoiler for anybody. Paul's going to die soon. Um, Aww, but, no, but, uh, not Paul. But like we're still several episodes away from that happening. Like he was in a lot more of the season than I thought. Oh, yeah. And I don't I don't know whether, you know, I think especially when she said this line, please tell me he's not going to die. I'm like, ooh, foreshadowing here. It's coming. It's coming. And then the episode ends and he doesn't die. I'm like, oh, big surprise here. But, but this is um, this is where sorry to jump in here. But like this is where I think like I kind of forgot that a little bit when I rewatched it. But going back to my point about how you've got an episode of this season where it's so important to the overall arc of the series, like. Even, like, the fate of Audrey, like, this is, like, again, we know 24 don't plan this out, but, like, the way this gets structured, it actually works really well because, like, something as little as Paul getting shot twice, uh, you think, oh, yeah, cool, <laughs> Paul getting shot and when he eventually will die. When he does die and the manner in which he dies kind of also seals the fate of Audrey because it's Jack's actions on that episode that lead to Jack's fate and somebody coming after Jack permanently. And that Mm -hmm. person coming after Jack permanently also uses Audrey as a pawn twice. So Audrey gets fucked Mm -hmm. up because of it. And then when spoiler alert, Audrey eventually dies, like in a very future season, (laughs) we're just spoiling everything today. No one's listening. Um, (laughs) It's directly related to this exact episode that we're going to get in a few weeks time. Like it's kind of this weird domino effect, which I don't think I ever really put together until I did my speed rewatch. So, this mm. moment of Paul getting shot is going to have huge implications moving forward for the fate of Jack and Audrey. As silly as that sounds right now. Yeah. And, and you know, what's interesting is I don't think I ever really look back. I mean, when, when you, we start covering the season and you started mentioning about, you know, uh, how uh, everything connects from one season to the next, then I start connecting the dots. But I think when you watch this show the first time around, you don't quite see how pivotal Paul is as a character mm. uh, for everything that's going to happen after this, uh, the domino effects that are going to come. Um, Audrey uh, stops to talk about, now this, this, I, I, I'm not saying, Oh, this was done poorly in any way. I'm, I'm sure that if you're caught up in the emotion of the moment, then you're definitely falling for this. But if you're looking to dissect everything, you're, you're just looking for something to laugh at this moment. She's like, please, I need to talk to him. Like, all right, all right. He's bleeding out, but okay. And she's like, Paul, Paul, you're going to be okay. And you just see James Frayne rolling his eyes in the back of the, <laughs> like I just I would love to be Paul says well, Audrey why I'm dying here why did you stop him but he can't even form words um, that, that, but yeah, fact, that actually wasn't even acting he was just having a bender on the set that day and they yeah, yeah. oh shit he's drunk again put him on a this gurney is, <laughs> this is like uh what was it uh the, the guy who's, who's trying to compete with Kiefer and drinking games yeah. like he, James Frain challenges him to it oh I could drink you on the I'm British I know what I'm doing um but uh yeah Paul Paul's going to be gone for a little while in the show. Um, now this, I still don't know whether I like this or don't like it, but like they immediately jump into, all right, guys, it is our eight Oh nine meeting. Um, <laughs> and Jack's just immediately briefing them out on everything. Like, I don't know whether I want a little bit more like, okay, just give me a minute. Like I almost, but of course this is Jack. So we wouldn't really have that, but it is a little bit of a shock to the audience when you went through this heavy moment, the last of the end of the episode, you went through the heavy moment at the beginning of this episode. And then it's like, all right, guys, time to recap you because it's that time of the hour. Um, this is the first mention we get of this guy, Joseph Fayed, which I don't, maybe I wasn't watching closely enough in previous episodes. Maybe I wasn't watching closely enough at the beginning of this episode. Like, does his name literally just come out of a hat? Like, yeah, we're, we're, yeah like I, I don't remember any moment in the, past episode or even beginning here with like all right so we got one name that we haven't explored yet and it's joseph fiat like they just dropped this name which is why i was thinking like oh maybe this is a bigger character and i forgot chubby rain was coming when you see chubby rain you're like oh this guy's not gonna last long yeah it's literally that moment of 
you know, oh, we've we've got no leads, you know, Ma one's it. Like, you know, I, is it this episode where they like had that awkward conversation where it's like we have firmly discovered that it is Ma one behind everything, <laughs> all our evidence. Definitely says it's breast cancer. And like, yeah. then all of a sudden, because plot's got a plot, they've got to be like, but there's this other guy that just came up out of nowhere and he could be useful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, he might also have his head explode. We don't know. <laughs> and he's uh, definitely got breast cancer. Definitely got chubby rain. He's got chubby something. Um, <laughs> that's not a fat joke. Um, <laughs> no, he's got a chubby. It's in a penis joke. I got it. There we go. <laughs> um, Colin was right, talking so about basically, his penis. <laughs> not mine. Uh, definitely not mine. This guy's penis. Um, he's got a chode. <laughs> uh, but uh, during the <laughs> Google during that, the, Colin. I'm not Googling anything you say to me anymore. I've been burned one too many times. Um, during the briefing here, this is, and I love the way that this plays out where it's like, Jack's got the plan. This name was dropped in front of Jack like a second ago. Like he already knows his whole plan, but they're basically, all right. So bye, Ed, we're going to go in. We're going to arrest them. No, I say we go undercover. Well, undercover, how we bring Dina with us. She's still alive, right? Yes. Okay. We bring Dina with us. And it's like, um, you really think that's a good idea? Well, we're going to need teams in place to cover us. I could have teams prepared in five minutes. Literally. They say five minutes to get all these teams that are never there to back anybody up. Who's in the field. Oh, all of our guys are occupied. We got them standby right now. Teams command is on standby, ready to send all these guys with you. Uh, but uh, basically, they say we're going to have to cut a deal with Dina. So they go in and um, do their interrogation. Now, Tony's there. Now, she's scared of Tony. We know that. Uh, and Jack's in there. And basically, his pitch is, we're going to put you and your son in witness protection. Uh, we want you to help us find Marwan, find Fayed, find whatever. And uh, we're basically leveraging your son here. And I, I do love the line that uh, said here about, uh, you know, Basically, we're offering you to live and we're offering you a life with your son. Whether you choose how you choose to live your life is, you know, what is going to determine what you're going to do, whether you're going to help us or not. Do you want to just live or do you want to live with your son? Uh, and this is something that I feel like has done really well in this episode. And I don't think that they quite gotten it up until this point, the protectiveness, because obviously that's the whole reason that Dina turned in the first place, but we've always had these, these little moments, which we've loved about, you know, Dina saying, I still am for my cause. And I think this is maybe the first time they've really gotten that connection with Dina and her son, the protectiveness, um, which comes about with a whole lot of making out with her son when he's oh, running the room. That, that, that whole well, little revelation you made a few weeks ago has a whole new yeah. meaning this episode. <laughs> now, now, here's what's interesting because uh, one of the reasons I listened to the commentary for this episode is that the, the director was on it with Sheree Agadashlu, and I'm like, all right, I, they they definitely make out in this episode. <laughs> it is all over. She's, she's like got, nibbling on his ear, licking his neck. Step. When like she's being dragged away, she's got like the doomy eyes from Lion King when Nala's like looking at Simba. <laughs> she's like, oh no, baby, we're going to do witness protection. Don't you worry. Now, what's interesting, though, is that she addresses it in in a way here. Now, two weeks prior, three weeks prior, whatever, uh, on another episode, another crew member basically said, yeah, like we didn't have any of this in the script. And these actors said that they wanted to bring this kind of incestuous thing, which when I watched that episode, I could definitely see that. Now, I was watching for it in this episode when they bring Beirut in and um you you see it is very incestuous but on the commentary she's basically saying that on the eastern side of the world this is how parents are with their children they're kissing them yeah, all over and everything their sons all the time <laughs> it's normal. 
Incest? What are you talking about? That's a Thursday. (laughs) But she's saying this is so unusual here in Western society as somebody else is dying upstairs. They're into incest. Uh, (laughs) Remy loves it. (laughs) But uh, I'm not going there. Uh, But uh, I think that she saw something in a different culture that she wanted to bring here. But I'm saying 100%, especially when you watch these scenes and you see there's little, the looks they give, I'm like, they wanted to take it to the next level, Hmm. maybe just for dramatic purposes. Maybe it wasn't them thinking there's supposed to be an incestuous relationship here, but they want to bring a little something extra more than just very physically affectionate parents here. Because yeah, she is all over him here. Um, I, I do like this this uh, uh, moment they have with um, uh, Curtis here, uh, butting heads. and uh, Everybody's kind of butting heads in this season. We get a little bit more, which I sort of thought in past episodes, like, yeah, maybe they've dropped the ball a little bit in this season with uh, everybody kind of stepping each other's toes and, and battling it out. I mean, basically what's going to happen uh, outside of the, the Beirut's uh, scene is in CTU. Chloe's going to get brought back in because, Mich- oh, sorry, I fired Sarah. Um, she helped me up for more money. So I think I need you back, Chloe. Well, I don't feel like doing it. Well, Jack's in trouble. Well, okay, I'll come, but only for Jack. Um, spoiler for when we get to next week, she's going to hold him up for more money and get it. So I should have been yeah, on that maybe, anyway. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm definitely seeing you know, the, the team Sarah thing a little bit more now. Although I think what I find interesting in this episode is when you get a lot of this uh, Chloe and Edgar stuff throughout this episode of them um, butting heads. And then the uh, thing with, with Tony butting heads with Edgar even where he says, oh, you don't even work here. This whole office dynamic of like everybody's out for themselves. I'm like, really, Sarah was just an... Uh, another person is CTU. And this is where I feel like you had a better explanation. You didn't go with, with Sarah because she's playing the game that everybody else is, but Edgar's still playing this game in this episode. Curtis is still playing the game. Tony's playing the game. Chloe's definitely playing the game. They're all playing the Sarah game. And I kind of like that. This is here. I just wish that they had made it a bigger part and maybe made that a little more. Michelle's like, I didn't realize things had gotten so bad here. Like she thought that Sarah was the only person who was, you know, kind of in it for herself and not necessarily a team player, but really nobody's a team player in this episode. Which is, I guess, sort of why I'm still more team Sarah because of how this plays out. And like the thing that I don't like about this is it doesn't make sense with Edgar how, what, two weeks ago when Tony was in charge for like 20 minutes, what did he say to Edgar? Like, I hear that you're like the best person in this building, Edgar. So do, 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 you're, you're amazing. And now this week... They're like at each other's throats. And I'm sorry, Edgar's completely right. Like, I don't like being told what to do by people who don't even work here. And yeah. then Tony's a real dick. Well, his mother just died, so he's being a little <laughs> bitch. Like, we haven't, like, had anything from Edgar in the last, like, four or five hours about boo-hoo, my mum's dead. Like, he's yeah. just basically just gotten on with his work. If anything, he's gotten better. Like, he fucking saved the day a couple of weeks ago. Everyone was, like, giving him a hand job for, like, stopping all the nuclear reactors <laughs> melting down. And now all of a sudden, Tony's like, well, his mother just died, so, you know. Like, it just it doesn't make sense. But, yeah, Chloe's got to come back. Of course she does. Um, which i got to say, I do love, like, when we get to next week and we talk to Meg. Oh, bring in Meg. Yes, Meg. Meg's my favourite. Um, you mean, and- who's Meg? I've already... Loss on this. Well, she's the uh, the one with the CDR with the owlies downstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up okay. in freaking whatever room. There's no Maggie, but she's up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, I mean, yeah, they've got to have an excuse to bring back in Chloe. Um, sure. 
Uh, and Curtis has gone from being in the field to being an admin guy again. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> like, why isn't he, like, is Tony now second in control? Like, has, has Curtis been bumped back to number three? Like, I mean, racist much? <laughs> and, and like I said about these companion piece episodes, I mean, these are basically, as far as I remember, the last bits of torture we're going to get in this season is we get, uh, I don't know if you'd call this torture, but it's definitely like very heavy interrogation with Dina here. And we're going to get the same thing next week where Curtis is going to be tasked with doing what he started with this season, which is being the interrogation guy. But yet in this scene with Jack and Dina, it's Tony who's in the room and not Curtis, but Curtis has been there the whole time. So yeah, it really doesn't make sense why Curtis wasn't doing the interrogation of Dina last week and then in the room this week, especially if they know he's going to be doing this again next week. I, yeah, and I think the thing with Dina um, that is, uh, I don't want to say inconsistent, but, like, I feel like like she already got a deal from the president. She kind of already helped. So mm. if I'm Dina, I'm like, well, no, I've got to sign a piece of paper. Like, I think she kind of does say that. And I think this is where Jack's like, what, like, oh, we can rip that up. Well, is that Jack's, I mean, I know Jack's just playing with it to get what, you know, he wants, but. Also, like, Dina's her line earlier where she was all like, oh, I believe in our cause. If anything happens to my son, I will not hurt, I won't help you. Like, I think she needs to play that here. Like, she's she's turned changed her mind pretty quickly. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I guess it just comes to the point that Jack's more convincing, but Jack was the one convincing her a few episodes ago. So it kind of, I don't know if it weakens Dina's character a little bit and just the fact that she kind of just backs down on everything that she's stood firm for this entire season. Um, well, and just don't just jumping ahead. I I don't like that they kill her off screen. I think that cheapens the character. And then speaking of cheapening the character, remember Baruz? Um, he <laughs> comes in for five minutes and then he just disappears after next week. So cool. Um, so I just I kind of feel it fizzles out this whole Araz storyline, which kind of sucks. I wish like why can't they kill Dina on screen? Like why do they shove her in a? Does they talk about that on the commentary? Because that always annoys they do. me. I mean, I'll I'll just talk about it now, just so we get out of the way. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the scene later. But um, Sheree Agadashu actually brings it up on the commentary, where she says, "Do you get talking like the director? Do you get people asking you to like, you know, did Dina have to go down that easily? Because they're basically saying like Dina doesn't get killed that easily off screen." And he basically says, "Well, was she killed?" And they sort of address the fact that their intention with this death was that they wanted to bring her back. Um, now he says, we don't I'm not, he's like, I'm not saying we have any plans. They just get rid of that. (laughs) Well, well, but he's saying, he he basically says in the episodes, like I have no insider information, but the intention of this was to keep it a little bit up in the air. So he said, I have a feeling, and they were recording this commentary after filming all of season four, but before it finished airing, he's like, I have a feeling we're going to see Dina again. Uh, the, the, the reason I find it interesting that they shot it this way was because Spoiler for next week, that's going to be the last we see of Beirut, yet Beirut's fate is very much left unresolved. Yet I, when I looked up to see him, like, okay, Beirut definitely has another episode. He had two or three other episodes that he shot scenes for that were cut from the episodes. Uh. So they obviously had plans to go further with this. And I'd love when we get there to see uh, what the deleted scenes are. Obviously they wanted to bring Dina back in some capacity, but they just decided not to do it in the end, which does make her death a little bit weaker. Which like, I can see that because like, yeah, it's always the trope of if you don't see them die on screen, are they really dead? And we'll get to what happens with Tony next season, you know, which is a little bit more, uh, yeah, controversial. But I think like, I always thought that too, but yeah, what does away with that is that, and again, 
I'm jumping ahead to next week. Big complaint about next week. And I think next week's a better episode. Um, two minutes. Oh, we found Dina's body. She dead. It's like, she just died at the end of the air. Like, how, if you're that close to their compound, you should have stopped fucking Marwan beforehand, lazy CTU. But yeah, I just, I, I get the idea of it. But like, I think, you know, we, we will address sometimes 24 will have these great characters in mind that you think will come back and they never do. Uh, I've got, I mean, there's a character next season, a very famous actor from a very famous show that we've covered on this, maybe or not lost, Henry Ian Cusack, who appears in a couple of episodes, who the way they write his character and write him out, you're like, oh, we're definitely going to see him again, and you never do. And maybe yeah. the plan is you're meant to, but they just go, oh, okay, no, we're moving on from that. And fair enough, that's what happens. We're not TV writers. You know, we live in this perfect world that we'd like to see that, and we understand things have got to move on. But I just, I don't know, I just... I, I've enjoyed this Aras storyline all season. I just don't think they stick the landing. I think if you look back on the last couple of seasons, we've talked about these like families on the side, you know, the Warner family storyline. I think for the most part, they kind of stick the landing. I think kind of mm-hmm. with Marie, it's kind of cool. Yeah, Kate kind of gets flushed aside, but like at least they bring her back for 30 seconds in season three yeah. to kind of wrap that up in a weird some way. resolution. Some resolution. And then with the Salazars last season, yeah, they wrapped that up pretty well. Um, so I feel like of the sort of the three side family storylines, they don't really do well this season. Next season, it's going to be mainly the Connie Britton, which I've got to say, I actually am on board with that. I used to not like that. I used to hate the sun, and but fucking Connie Britton, she's got AIDS, love her. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I, I just, I guess wrapping up the Arad story, I guess we're technically not to next week, but yeah, I feel it's, it's a bit disappointing with how much good we got with it at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, I will say that they, they, in the commentary, they both talk about Nestor Serrano. Sheree Agatha actually basically says my wonderful Latino husband, <laughs> which is the only time I think they were just saying, Hey, he's not very Arab here, but, uh, exactly. But I mean, they had nothing but praise for him and really he is the only one who gets the standoff he deserves. Obviously the plan here being, I, I, I honestly believe that they, had they obviously had something that they were going to be doing with Beirut, but those scenes all got cut. I think they wanted to leave it up in the air to potentially bring Dina back and then just never got around to it or decided after the fact not to. I most times I'm pretty sure that when they do like these ambiguous deaths, they they're like, oh, we're gonna use them at some point in the future. This is just it it turns out to be unfortunate that it's one of the few times that they didn't end up following up on it, which which hurts it a little bit. But the more interesting thing is that I guess um her saying that apparently a lot of people took offense to the fact that she is killed off screen. Well, 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 let's let's talk about all the stuff leading up to that then. We'll get to that. Um, so now the second part of the Jack and CTU stuff is Jack and Dina going in undercover. Basically, the idea is that. Jack's going to be offering himself or pretending that uh, he's being offered up as a hostage. Uh, They come up with this whole cover story about this shootout and they got Jack and she's going to bring him to see Marwan. So they go to uh, Fayed's house and this is actually a fun little trivia bit. Uh, Jack stabbing. When I watch this in the episode, I'm like, geez, (laughs) this guy's committed to the cause. Forget about Dina. He's stabbing himself just for a cover. Um, But that was actually, uh, it, it was 
part of the plan. It wasn't like Kiefer basically says, I got a knife on set. I'm drunk. Let me cut myself. But <laughs> she straight <laughs> <laughs> It definitely is typical Kiefer. Uh, let me just climb this Christmas tree while he I'm stabbing he myself. He sang a song Christmas about tree. that, actually, uh, yeah, when I threw yeah. live. It was that time on the set of 24, I just stabbed myself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Shrangle Dash says that, like, it was kept out of the scripts because they wanted her reaction to be genuine. Uh, so they knew this was what he was going to do. He knew everybody on crew knew they just kept her in the dark. So when he basically stabs himself there and you see her reaction, like, Oh, like dear God, uh, it, she's still acting, but she was basically like, that's some improv there. That's and only found back. it after the mm. fact. Yeah. <laughs> what a man. Um, but uh, yeah, when they, basically they bluff their way into the house here and uh, when they get in, I mean, Fayed's not buying it at all, but uh, I, I love that him knocking out Jack and I'm thinking like, that's not going to knock out Jack Bauer. And then of course you get Jack every once in a while, just giving like a open his eyes and to the audience. Hey, I'm still here guys. Wink. So it's the <laughs> Raptor game from Fallen Kingdom. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but um, they're they're gonna I guess call Marwan here or Fayed's gonna call Marwan. Um, they have this scene where they're gonna be bring him to Marwan. The, you got the the team the team who is ready in five minutes following and I think Castle's in this scene here. Uh, they they do mention uh, the actor Cameron Bancroft who plays Castle, basically saying they brought him in for the one episode. They didn't have plans after that. And then this is, this is what happens on twenty four when you get these. We need somebody to do this. I'm like, oh, we had that guy three weeks ago. Call and see if he's available again. And you just keep calling the same people. You don't want to commit because it's a small character, which is probably the same way that Daniel Day Kim just randomly appears in twenty four because I'm like, we got this. See if Daniel Day Kim's available and so i'm guessing cameron bancroft lee castle here came in because they called daniel and kim and he's like kind of got another show i'm working I'm on, on an now. island in hawaii yeah. um i've got to learn you Korean. might have heard of it <laughs> yeah i don't I'm know if you've heard of this lost little thing right lost. now what what do you mean yeah, by that i am lost <laughs> right now i don't know what you're talking about are you available or not <laughs> no, tune into ABC on Thursdays. Good night. Yeah. Go get white Daniel Day Kim. We need somebody new. <laughs> we need to be diverse. Well, get it. I don't know. Get one of those terrorists you always got. <laughs> yeah. We haven't had enough Canadians on the show. We need another Canadian. Um, yeah, the, the, the whole thing with the teams following him, like it's shot very well. It's edited very well. Seeing like just CTU. I mean, really don't have much else to do, but watch monitors in this episode. But I love they keep cutting back to them during this whole chase. And then when they get into the tunnel, like to me, this is the best stuff of the episode. Everything in this episode is kind of forgettable until you get to this moment, including like the the, the Dean and Bruce stuff, although it's played very well. Uh, when they're in the tunnels and everything, and you, 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 why I say this is a good companion piece the next episode is the next episode is essentially Marwan is creating this fake scenario to, as he says, keep CTU busy to distract them. This is essentially them saying, we're creating this fake scenario to distract Marwan. Um, and each side's kind of playing it their own way. But what I love here is like Marwan has the upper hand and the audience has no clue what's going on, which is in complete contrast to next week where the audience knows from minute one Everybody from CTU is basically, you know, on a wild goose chase here. Uh, but them going into the tunnel and then they stop and they're like, wait, wait, where did they go? And then they come out. They're like, we lost the car. And you realize, oh, this was all this ploy on Marwan's side. It, it, he doesn't know they're being followed, but he just has these plans in place. In case you're followed, this is protocol. Everybody knows that this is, a, you know, day-to-day -day operations for them. 
But then I love that even uh, getting further, I was like, all right, give me the uh, all, all visuals of all the cars that came out of the tunnel while they were in the tunnel. It's got to be one of those. And then they're narrowing down the license plates and everything. <laughs> Which uh, can I just say, there are three cars. Look at that van. It's like, what is that on the other <laughs> two cars? Like, you just jumped to that van exactly. pretty quickly. Well, come on. It's a white, unmarked van. I mean, it's either oh, a terrorist or it's a Typical racist. Come on. Well, no, I was, hey, you didn't let me finish. I said it's either a terrorist or a child molester. So, I mean, it's it's either the terrorists or it's one of Ben's people. Um, <laughs> all I'm saying right now, if you're a terrorist or a child. No correction there. I call you a child molester. No correction. <laughs> Colin, I use black vans, not white vans. I'm very diverse. Um, and also a note to uh, child molesters and terrorists, if you're listening, don't use a van. Just use a standard, yeah. like, I don't know, uh, Chevy. Honda Fit. A Honda Fit. <laughs> Like that was a third car in line, and they got away with it. They were they were dealing crack out the back, but the, exactly. the government. No, that van wasn't. That's what I always say about like undercover cop cars. Why are undercover cop cars always like brand new SUVs that clearly you know as soon as they press a button, they're going to start flashing lights to you? Can't they just drive like a 1990 Toyota Celica or something like that? I'm never going to guess that's a cop. That's undercover. Well. And, and, you know, when I first watched this, I'm like, wait, should we not have an explanation? Like, should they not have, because they basically just get a visual on the license plate in the vehicle. And unless I'm missing something, then they just say, oh, that's got to be them, right? Yeah, well, that's basically what they do. And then I love the fact where they're like, oh, can we get a number plate match? No, but there might be traffic cams. There it is. We definitely, like if they've got traffic cams in the tunnel, rewind the vision back to see them swap over into the van to confirm it. It's right there. they did say, oh, there's an open socket. I'm going to get into the traffic cams, yes. which is fun. <laughs> but but this is where I think one of these things we always say, throw one throwaway line in there that just makes it more plausible because I'm sitting there questioning it. You're sitting there questioning it. And then the more I sat there and thought about it, I'm like, okay, if why is it the white van? It's not just because it's either a child molester or a terrorist. It's because you had three people. You had Fayed, you had Dina, you had whoever. Now, they don't know that Fayed's out of there yet. Um, they assume there's other people who are going to be driving these vehicles. You're not going to fit all those people discreetly in a vehicle of this size of a Honda fit. So it's got to be the, the van, but just throw a line in there saying, no, with the amount of people it would take to do this, it has to be the van. You know, one little thing just kind of, you know, immediately lets the audience know, okay, we're actually thinking this through. This isn't just got to be a child molester. No, I mean, terrorist. It's, and I think one thing I'll say about what I like about this episode and this storyline is I love Marwan in this episode and I love it in the next yeah. couple weeks. Like I, I kind of like the fact that, y- you know, we're so used to in a show like this or 24 that like, oh, yeah, Jack's going to stop the terrorists from this evil plot. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. And basically the, this whole <laughs> yeah. plot here in the build up, and that's what makes a couple of weeks so much better and shocking is that they're right on the cusp here and it's kind of CTU's fault. It's Meg's fault uh, and Edgar's fault yeah. next week <laughs> by not looking at the CDR. Yeah. Um, for that, and I love that. I love this idea where Marwan's like, let's cause a distraction, and, like, it works. And I love Marwan and Arnold Vosler. He's fantastic in this week and next week. And I love this. I love that moment where he's on the phone to Chubby Rain. Uh, can you actually find the guy's act, the actor's name? Because I feel like we need to probably yeah. give him some credit. But, like, I, 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 do, I do love it, like, when he's on the phone to him. And, like, you can, like, you don't get it first time because the shock is this swap over and the fact that he's martyring himself. But it's quite obvious when he's on the phone to him and he's like, Yes, and we will do this. Do you understand? And he kind of, Chubby Rain has this look on his face where he realizes my time's up and he's like, I understand. So we, if you've seen this and you know what's about to happen, you understand that basically that's it's going like there's a plan in place. You're going to kill yourself because they're clearly tracking you. Smart, yeah. Ahmed Vosloo. Like, I like that. Like, it's really, really clever. 
Well, it's interesting you say that because I thought specifically in this episode that this is the most, first of all, I actually think this episode is the most season one like episode we've gotten. Mm. It's just, we've got this intelligence we're going to follow it's people being taken and everything. But I think that Marwan is probably the most Saunders like in this episode than he is yeah. uh, in the rest of the season. Like it's that one step ahead villain. Um, the actor here, Chubby Rain, uh, Adam Alexi Mali. He's actually an Italian uh, actor from Italy. Uh, an Italian and, uh, actor from Italy. Oh, that's unusual. <laughs> well, we had, well, no, 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 I'm saying he he literally was born in Italy is what oh, I mean. Uh, because he's, uh, he's clearly, <laughs> the point being, he's clearly not full Italian because he's Palestinian on his uh, the other side. But um, A Palestinian uh, no, from Palestine. <laughs> yeah, from the right region, yes. Uh, but uh, uh, no, I mean, he is now our second Italian terrorist of the season or was uh, of the two seasons because was the season two guy who was an Italian actor. Um, uh, I can't remember what yeah. his name. I just, I, family, just, uh, you know? I love the fact that we've got so much like, oh, no, we can't name an Arab country because that's stereotypical. And later on, it's just going to be like, ah, fuck it, the Russians and Chinese are evil. I just wanted these whole scenes to be like, hey, I'm Italian. I'm going to blow up America. <laughs> Why are the Italians it's, never terrorists in these movies? Like, come on. Well, they are. Now we know what they, this Arnold Vosloo, I, mean, I don't even know what Arnold Vosloo's nationality is, but like, they, that's one of the interesting things with this. And I don't know whether this was intentional and maybe, you know, somebody will answer this question for us one day. Maybe we'll actually, you know, read it in the trivia. But for the season that's dealing with unnamed Arab terrorists, here you go. You got Arnold Vosloo, who's from South Africa. So yeah. not really Arab. Um, you've got uh, this guy who's Italian. Um, you've got Nessa Serrano, who's you know Latino. Hispanic, <laughs> Latino. Yeah, uh, you've gone out of your way to not cast Arab actors in this season with people who maybe they could pass for Arabs. So I guess giving the benefit of the doubt to the producers, they're like, we don't want to necessarily make it Arabs, but it's definitely Arabs <laughs> <I> just, or <laughs> Italians. It's definitely Arabs. I just like why why do the Italians get a free pass from being evil? Right? It's always like oh the Nazi Germany, <laughs> like you know yeah. all the Germans, like Japanese. I'm sorry. Mussolini, uh, they were all basically <laughs> Nazis in Italy. Why do Italy get, oh, they've got pizza and pasta, we can't piss them off? Like, no, yeah. I love the Italians, except for the soccer team. They can get fucked. But, like, the, <laughs> at the end of the day, like, make make Italians evil. They were evil. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, and I never understood that either because, like, the Japanese, the Russians who actually, at yeah. the end of the war, decided to switch sides and help everybody else. Exactly. They still don't get away with I it. I mean, but what they the did Italians after the war was kind of, you know, you're like, yeah, I can get the Russians. But, like, I mean, like, come on. the It's like right now, it's all like, oh, Putin, Putin, boo, Russia. What about Belarus? They're helping out Russia. <laughs> Belarus, get away with it because they got a cool flag. Ah. Just but you know, the, the, the Italians gave us De Niro and Pacino. That's all you need. And Ferrari. <laughs> so, you know. Ferrari. But you, Germans, you, you, oh, I like the Germans. Connection there. Um, I, I think you've casually mentioned this Ferrari movie that's going to be coming out with Adam Driver, right? Um, uh, with Adam Driver? The Yeah. Oh, you, Am I breaking news to you? Is this the Enzo Ferrari movie? or the, I know uh, they were making it's one. It's literally but I, called Ferrari. Well, if that's because I know there was an Enzo Ferrari movie in the pipeline, but I don't know if they ever like got to the stage where they like Hugh Jackman was in talks to be in it. And yeah, uh, that's the same oh, one. So it's I so, didn't realize it had moved to the phase now where we knew that Adam Driver. Oh, look at me paying well, attention. I I just oh, picked I up the uh, okay. I, I just picked up the 4K Blu-ray for Heat, which was of course the first movie that had De Niro and Pacino in it. And uh, you know, looking through like Michael Mann, the director of that, I mean, one of the greatest directors alive, but yet he hasn't made a movie in almost 10 years. He's now shooting Ferrari or has shot the movie. Uh, I guess they've got, you know, everything's already in place Ooh, for this. Shailene yeah, Woodley's in it. Ooh. 
Oh, he lost me. So yeah, this movie's now wrapped filming. Oh, um, but uh, Penelope Cruz. That is like so Hugh Jackman not in it anymore. But like, no, that Patrick Dempsey like that is odd. Car. I love Adam Driver, but I do not see Adam Driver as Enzo Ferrari. But I there's only so. one Italian in this Italian movie, which is funny. Or I guess two in the cast. That's here. crazy. But I mean, Shailene Woodley. Mm. Ugh, now yeah. you lost me. I d- again, I didn't realize that this like uh, this has been talked about for years. It's one of these ones where it's like they're mm. making an Enzo Ferrari movie. They're making an Enzo Ferrari movie, and like it's literally been in the pipeline for so long. Um, but yeah, I've seen here that they've finished. Maybe they're holding out end of the year. Maybe this is going to be an Oscar bait for next year. But um, I mean, that's that's legitimately. <laughs> should anybody ever want to procreate with me? I've always said that my <laughs> son. I've always wanted to call Enzo after Enzo Ferrari. So um, <laughs> maybe it's after Adam Driver now. Who knows? <laughs> Well, I, I'm excited about this movie because, I mean, I knew you'd be interested because of the whole Ferrari thing. Me, I don't know much. I'm, I, I know the Ferrari from uh, the Ferris Bueller. That's pretty much the extent of it. But and like Ford Michael, v. Ferrari. <laughs> and Ford v. Ferrari, yeah. But, like, Michael Mann, the director, like, I mean, he's basically, like, to me, the, the Liam Neeson of directors. Like, if he makes a movie, I'm there, and I'm there opening day, and I will own and, you know, watch everything he makes to death, and him making the first movie in, like, a decade. And it's Ben's movie. We're definitely going to be covering Ferrari. We'll do Ferrari oh, month. Yeah. Oh, can we? Um, there, there is, I've got um on my computer, which I've never watched. It's like a two-part Italian miniseries I did in the mid-2000s about Enzo Ferrari. And the book it's based on, I see it every time I go catch a plane in the airport. It's always sitting there. I'm like, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. I never buy it. But, um... <laughs> I mean, he's just waiting to learn to read. We, <laughs> once he's once he's gotten through, you know, C spot run, he'll pick up the Ferrari. <laughs> I book. started reading Goldfinger again last night. I sent you the picture. Of I it. saw that. Um, yeah, but no, there'd, there'd be like we haven't done a full recap of Ford v Ferrari. Um, no, even though the Ferrari part and that's not huge. Um, there's that. Yeah, I don't know. There'd be other ones I could think of. Maybe there's. Um, I know we're doing Rush for anniversary month, but um, mm. the the famous '60s movies. I think it's like Steve McQueen and that. It was it was called Grand Prix. Bullet? Bullet, oh, no, Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. That's like always been the quintessential Formula One movie. Whenever they try and make like a, a racing car movie, because then you look at something like Driven, which is a horrible movie, but it's also a guilty pleasure horrible movie. It's kind of like yeah. the, the Batman and Robin of shit car racing (laughs) it's so laughably bad but it's also so weirdly entertaining that i kind of get a kick out of it um we could watch cars cars 2 days of thunder um there's lots of racing cars there's um days of thunder there's a there's literally a um uh well there's uh the oh god there's video games need for speed freaking um uh what's his face from breaking Gran turismo yeah that's what i'm thinking of they're about to release Mm. gran turismo brad pitt's making a formula one movie at the moment and then i think um john boyega was also meant to be making a formula one movie so there's lots of things out there because now formula one's so big it's yeah Thank you for turning to 24, but I'm, we're going to explore this a little bit more here. Um, <laughs> can we commit right now to when the Ferrari movie comes out, we do car racing month and we do Ooh. Days of Thunder, Ford v. Ferrari, and uh, what was Driven. that? The Driven. Oh, and absolutely. Then we'll pick a fourth one of the many options. Oh, do you really there. have to ask me if we want to do car? Like, <laughs> like Formula One is like my church. Um, so you can't see it, but I've got a giant Michael Schumacher picture on my wall with my Michael Schumacher tattoo. So, yes, no, I would gladly commit to that thank you maybe i'll have my ferrari tattoo by then tom cruise and sylvester stallone in the same month this is like a dream come true jesus and um, christian bale and matt damon oh come on (laughs) colin's just jizzy everywhere (laughs) forget 24 let's start it now we are here to recap days of thunder stella warren (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
And she was a thing. The blonde guy from Driven, Kip Perdue. Oh, Kip, per- <laughs> Kip Perdue, yeah. Sorry, flashback. He hasn't been mentioned since 2001. What happened to Kip Perdue? Where's he gone? He, he, he had a role there where he had, like, Remember the Titans, and then he had Driven, and then he literally died. He may have actually died, because I don't think anybody's dropped off the face of the planet that quickly. Well, the, the guy in, uh, in Driven who's, like, the arrogant German, who clearly is oh, not yeah. meant Till to be- Schweiger. He's not meant to be Michael Schumacher at all. He was in the second tomb. Raider. I remember talking about him, mm-hmm. and he was in a few other things. We talked a lot about him during the second Tomb Raider. Oh, you're getting me yeah. excited. Come on, sorry. Yes. Shailene Next Woodley, year. woo! <laughs> um, so back to 24. So- <laughs> oh, fuck 24. Let's talk about cars. Vroom, vroom, vroom. And if we cover cars, we're going to get three new listeners, because my kids are probably oh, watching that right now. we just do the first and the third one? Do we have to do the second one? No, yeah, never do the second. <laughs> it's not worth it. Never go full my cars, kid, too. I, I, I'm sure I'm sure I mentioned this before. Like, my kids don't watch Cars 2. They were always, Cars 1, no, Cars 3, Cars 1, Cars 3. That masturbator Larry the Cable guy. He, he doesn't exactly. get full movie. <laughs> He's definitely driving a white van. <laughs> Mater, please, masturbator. Uh, um, so we get the Marwan meeting here with Jack, uh, and this is their second showdown of the season. And this is one of the things I really like, because typically in these villains for 24, you build up towards the meeting. And um, we had with Drazen, he had like, okay, he saw Jack and then he saw Jack again at the end. But outside of Drazen, I think it's basically just Jack eventually has the showdown with a villain and then that's it. Um, there weren't multiple scenes with Saunders, but we had that first one where it's like, this is act one, just the stare down in the office building over solitaire, you know, with Jack and Marwan. And now this is phase two and we're going to get, I don't know how many there are, but there's at least one more to come. Um, but yeah, th- this scene, it, it's it's the highlight of the episode, despite them dropping the ball with Dina's death here, uh, because of the way Marwan comes across the villain, where he's basically he knows, I don't, I'm not buying this. Your whole cover story, I'm not buying it. All right, you want to prove to me that uh, you know you're actually bringing this to make peace or whatever? Shoot him, and she gives him the gun, and you get that that like tense build where she's like, is she going to pull? You the audience knows she's not pulling the trigger, but the tension is the fact that when she turns and she tries pulling the trigger on Marwan. And the gun's not loaded. I mean, you're not going to kill Marwan either, but that's just him like, okay, I knew it. You proved me right. Like, not only does he not buy her story, he's not even going to give her a loaded gun. And then they just take it. Now, I will say, despite the fact that I think you need a bigger death for someone like Dina, I like the shock to the audience of, guess what? We're just going to kill this person behind a wall there. And you basically just see the one guy pulling the trigger. It's well shot. It's just, it's the wrong character to do that with. If you do that with uh, Marianne, you know, I think it's a much better death than uh, what she had was still kind of, don't worry, I'm here to help you. Bang, bang, you're dead. But uh, it's still a very well shot thing. It's just, it's the wrong place in the episode for it. But uh, um, that pretty much is it. Jack's just going to get taken hostage here. Um, anything you want to add on this? Look, I, I agree with you. I think the thing with Marwan is that like, I know we've had that conversation and maybe we will do it. I mean, we, this is going to be the longest TV show we do. So maybe we can do a ranking, like rank the villains, rank the whatever. Cause it would be a fun little project for a, a long show. Whereas, you know, lost third watch, nip tuck, breaking band weren't necessarily super long lost was because Noah just never showed up. But, um, <laughs> but like, I don't, it's funny when I think of the great villains of 24 and my favorites, I, I, like I like Marwan, but I never kind of rank him high because yeah, same. I, I, and I don't know why. It's kind of it's he's a great villain. He definitely drops off things, but I think on this rewatch in particular, I'm I'm liking him more. Like I love that scene and this weirdly like I, it's not going to make the top five, but there's a scene between him and Jack next week, which is so good. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of just like the parallels between fuck yeah America and like 
fuck you, America. Like, it's kind of this great little back and forth. And I think they both kind of win the argument. Like, it's kind of great. So I think this and, like, taking notes and talking about it is really improving Marwan. And I think that he maybe just doesn't come across as, I don't want to say memorable because, you know, I don't know if he leaves that footprint on a season like every other villain does. Um, I mean, season two yeah. doesn't really have a villain. Season one, you know, the Drays. Or has too many. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and season three, you know, my love for Saunders. Next season's ultimate big bad is the one everybody remembers. Six, mm-hmm. it's just the writing. Um, seven, <laughs> um, eh, and eight, eh. But like, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, and the nine villain actually, season nine villain. Live a lot of days, great. The the her, she's like, I mean, a very underrated villain. She's fantastic. But um, my point is, I think Marwan like deserves to get a lot more love. Um, and also just randomly here, just quickly, sorry, I've still got Ferrari on Wikipedia open up in front of me. I love how produced by Thorsten Schumacher, very uh, appropriate. You've got a Schumacher producing a Ferrari movie. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I like, I really like, I think this episode, it, it, it improved on this rewatch for me. I don't really have anything else to add, um, but yeah. We still got one story to go. Oh, we do. Sorry. Yes. We got Thunderball to talk about now. We're transitioning. <laughs> Casper's very upset. He's not a Thunderball fan. Um, so, yeah, last thing here, I mean, is basically Anderson, our pilot, uh, who <laughs> literally it is scene for scene Thunderball, the opening here, where you've got the guy who's in disguise. Oh, I'm on the case or whatever. And then you open on the shot of the real pilot in bed with a woman just after having sex. A woman. And a woman, yeah. And then the woman turns out to be a villain. Basically, they they swap identities in this pilot. It is Thunderball, like, 100%. And I, I wish that they would have talked about this in the commentary. They didn't. But, like, you know that they were stealing this directly out of Thunderball. Um, I, I'm not Mandy here. I, I don't know. It, it, did they write this for Mandy? Because this feels like this is what you would bring back Mandy for. Well, she does come back this season, but it's not here. Um, I But th- but this scene feels maybe. like, oh, we wanted this to be Mandy's return. I like this woman, though, uh, and I, I love what we get in, like, two weeks with her, kind of this standoff where she's pretending to be an FBI agent. So, I, like, she's a random character who you never remember, but I actually really like her. Yeah. Well, and th- even the way this scene is introduced here where, uh, you know, he's just had sex with her and the, the phone rings and goes, it's your wife, and he's like, my wife, she's calling your phone. Like even when I'm watching this, I'm like, Oh, this is really bad. And of course it just ends up being, I just ends up being, it's like, Oh, thank God. I thought that you knew I was having an affair. It turns out you're just being held hostage. (laughs) Uh, But the family's held hostage. So they basically want him to go with them to get them on this base. Um, And uh, this is where she had to put your clothes on John. (laughs) Um, I I, I do. The the reason I really think this feels like it should be Mandy is because the line when she's talking to John here, the pilot or whatever, uh, where they're saying, well, well, who are, who are they taking me to? She goes, I don't know. And it's like, I I work for myself. I'm just, I'm hired to do a job. And that's okay. This is obviously meant to be Mandy. It just ends up being not Mandy, but yeah, she's not bad. I I don't remember what she does uh, after this in the season, but uh, you know, it would have been better to have Mandy in here, but still not Mandy's okay. Um, Basically this guy helps them get onto a base. And uh, now I, I, I know what our next attack is, but maybe I fell hook, line and sinker this time. I, I think that they wanted the audience to think they know, and they they do know, oh, well, we 
Heller's been gone. This is what I was saying about Heller just randomly disappearing. Heller's gone now. They say something's going down with the president. We know he's been on that plane a long time. Now, all of a sudden, you're sneaking onto a base. You got all this. The guy gets in there and immediately he kills the real pilot. Now he's just posing like, oh, the plane's been grounded. They've even said about the, the short window they have or whatever. We've already had mentions of the president. They want the audience to think he's about to pilot Air Force One here. And then the reveal being at the end, outside of him just saying, oh, you've got a damaged coupler? Okay, and then now let me pose as a mechanic. By the way, the coupler's okay. You're clear to fly. Now I'm the pilot again. All right, I'm going to fly this plane. And then the reveal being it is very bad stock footage of a stealth jet, um, (laughs) which is still, to me, what makes this cliffhanger work is two things. One, you've had a proper build with this this guy, Anderson, throughout the episode. Um, You're really intrigued by the story, but I think, and maybe I thought this originally, and maybe you thought it, and maybe everybody thought this, I think they wanted you to think this was going to be Air Force One, and then when you see it's a jet, it's, the cliffhanger is, whoa, it's not what I thought, so where are they going with this? Yeah, I, I don't know if I ever thought it was Air Force, like, I think from memory, when I watched this, I didn't, I just didn't know, I just, I think that's kind of, it's so ambiguous, and like, I You're said- You're still hungover from your birthday the previous week? Exactly. I, yeah, this is my first <laughs> legal episode of watching it, but no, like, the, the, the bad episode the other week with Jack and the EMP, when I said you saw, like, a real flash of, like, that blueprint of a stealth bomber, so, like, when you go back and watch this and you know what's going to happen, it's kind of great. You see the little breadcrumbs they actually leave, which I think is very smart, but, um, yeah, I don't know if I ever thought that about Air Force One, but I think, um, yeah, I love this whole plot, like, this woman's random- this random pile, like you, I, I do like this sounds evil, but like, I kind of like it when you've got characters or whatever in a movie or a TV show where there's nothing but tragedy for them. I know they're just completely expendable. Like speaking of expendable, we didn't mention that what's his face Cam Bancroft when he rings up, like there was a bomb. Agent Jenkins is dead and we've lost Marwan and Tony that it's like, Oh crap. We'll hire up and find them. Like poor agent Jenkins. <laughs> he's bleeding out in the ground. Like, you know, they don't give a shit about their dead agents at CTU, but um, like this family, like this, this pilot and his kids, they're dead. Um, like it, yeah, they're, it's just, who gives a yeah, shit? Your family's dead. They just like, say it's off camera. Which, I mean, it, again, random thing to connect to, but I, I know you've seen the movie, the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, uh, Sudden Death, and it just mm-hmm. kind of reminds you of the lead up to that where you've got like the little old lady and the and the chef, like how they take over and they like, it always reminds you of that scene where that guy like holds a granny hostage at a house and they're like watching the American National Anthem and then he gets and goes, oh, I always love that part. Gotta go. And then just kills the granny. Um, so it's just like, I love that movie. We need to do Sudden Death. Um, but yeah, I, I think kind of the lead up and everything's kind of cool. And um, yeah, the reveal of the, like, I just think it works because again, you just, you don't really know what's happening. And I think that's yeah. smart. Like, I think, you know, like this is what this season does well. And I think I mentioned it that read in the book last week where, you know, they were unsure of how a season where they don't have a genuine like one season arc of a virus, a nuclear bomb, like what's going to happen. Mm. But like this is where this season works because you don't know what's happening. Like at least in season three, it's like, okay, well, we know they're just trying to stop a virus. We know they're trying to stop a nuclear bomb and then they're trying to get a recording. This you literally have no clue what's about to happen. And mm-hmm. they don't repeat that really like, they sort of do in future seasons. There are definitely moments where you don't know and you, but they, they feel more like, Oh, we're making this up as we go along. I know yeah. they're making this up as they go along, but it doesn't really feel like it. And I think that's yeah. what works with this season. Um, yeah. I, I think the way you said it, where you end this episode and it works because you don't know what they're doing with it. And the way that I'm like, Oh, I think that they're going after us Force one. The important thing is either way you've left the audience, you've teased enough where they're interested in this. Yeah. And then you've left them like, I don't know what's going on here, but 
can we address how bad that stock footage of the stellar jet is? <laughs> which they even say in the commentary. It's like, yeah, we got some pretty bad stock footage here, which was because we wrote it in the script. We needed it to be a stealth bomber. And unfortunately, those are the top secret and you're not allowed to film it. So we use what we could just change it to something else as far as I'm concerned. I mean, make it a fictional airplane and have a, a model. Just this stock footage looks horrible. It looks like it was filmed earlier than to the soccer game Tony was watching. I mean, this is something from the 70s here. I don't even know if I paid attention enough to even see it. Uh, <laughs> is this like at the end oh, of the episode or... Oh, literally the cliffhanger. You should look like as he's pulling out of the airplane, how bad it looks. Oh, is it? That's next week's footage then. Because this week's he just walks through the door to the plane. You're, you're oh, a okay, week yeah. ahead. Because I'm looking at this episode going, there's nothing there. Um, next week, if I see here. Okay, yeah, I see that now. Next week. Um, but I was worried. Am I missing a scene from this Jesus week's episode? Week. <laughs> yeah. But next week, it's terrible. Yes. It is terrible. Yes. Um, but. Um, Trivia for this episode is really nothing um, other than, I guess, Tony reads the license plate wrong and they still find the vehicle. Um, he leaves off one of the digits is clearly visible there. Uh, anything from the book? Uh, the book basically mentions something about they have like a area where they keep all the props and they call it Area 51. And I love how the book is literally <laughs> like Area 51 may be a reference to the Roswell UFO missile, you think? Um <laughs> Yeah, there's there's not a whole. It's just it's got an interview with Show Dashlu, um, so yeah, nothing nothing major. Thanks Tara Delulio and the official companion. I need to uh, get off my ass and get the one for season five because I don't actually have the season five companion. Uh, I think I think they stopped after that. I don't think they did a season six one. So, um, I. I honestly had no clue what I'd do this episode when he started. I'm just going to rent it. What, what did you find interesting just going through my rankings here? I've got only one season four episode in my top 10 right now. I have only that'll, three that'll in my change. There's two. Well, I've only got season. Yeah. Cause I've only got three in my top 30, but yet I still feel like I enjoy the season a lot more than season two, even though I've got season two episodes ranked higher. But like I said, at the beginning, the best stuff still to come here, but I'm just renting this one. Are you just renting it as well? I mean, you say that too. I've only got, Oh, no, I've got one. Oh, no, one, the pilot episode of this season's in number 12. See, I don't even have any in my top 10 either. But uh, looking at my overall list, um, well, it's going to change at least for this season. But <laughs> um, anyway, um, I'm renting it too. Yes, it's just it's a solid rent. Um, it's I mean, when I say solid rent, I look at my rankings. I've got this a very low rent, but it's it's fine. Like, I mean, it's there's nothing wrong with this episode. I don't think you and I have gotten angry about anything with this. It's stock footage no. jets, which are in next week's episodes. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's fine. It's a rent for me. I've got this at seventy second out of eighty six yeah, episodes. I have, I have it higher than that. Um, I actually have this. Uh, what I, it's a higher rent for me. But where when I saw what I had this behind, I had to be like, really, I like that episode that much. But uh, I've got this fifty one, so it's one spot below basically the the Driscoll's daughter's death episode, which I'm like, oh, that definitely seems high for that. But then I look through the rest of the episode. I'm like, oh, that was the first showdown. That was the office body slam and Curtis's John McClane episode. So uh, I would rank this one slightly lower than that, but uh, very close for these two episodes for me. Um, and next week, I'm just going to say this right now. I've watched it and I, I can't put my finger on what works so well next week. Because it's not like it's a groundbreaking episode. It's not like we're going to have, you know, the most massive twist, the most memorable moments ever. But, like, I think next week is basically where they really hit on this is what we're doing for the rest of the season, which seems appropriate because it's basically getting close to the end of the second act here. Well, just spoiler alert, moving ahead, we've got, what, like, 
eight episodes left to go, ten episodes left of this season, uh, if my maths are correct, nine, whatever. There's a few to go. And um, of all the rest of the season, I rent one episode and I bin one episode and the rest are buys. Um, so the next three are buys, spoiler alert. Uh, but, yeah, so next week's a good episode. Obviously, it's a massive uh, lead-in into the following week, which is uh, arguably one of, if not the best episode of the season the following week. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's a good episode. I There's something about it. Maybe it's Bill. Maybe Bill just showing up. Yeah. Um, which i I got to say, like, get excited for Bill because he's been on the show before, James Morrison. We love him. He's a great guy. And follow him on social media. He's a very nice man. Um, but I do love the fact that I even speed watched this last year. And even on this one, well, because I've watched it too, um, I completely forgot that this was his episode. Even when they say, like, we've got someone from Division, I'm thinking, like, oh, who's that? Is that Brad Hammond again? Is he back? Like, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, <laughs> this is Bill Buchanan. I'm like, oh, Bill, there he is. Like, yeah. it's such a, like, an un, like, it's, we'll get to that next week. But the way he's introduced, like, you have no idea that this guy's going to be such a major character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, there he is. There's Bill. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's a good episode. I think the other thing that kind of throws me off with with Bill next week is that, you know, even when we interviewed him, we're basically like, yeah, Bill comes in and the audience is not supposed to like him. You don't get that until the episode that follows. I mean, they, they really keep Bill just as, oh, he's just another division guy when he comes in. And then everything that's going to happen after that, a lot of the the drama with you know him, Tony and Michelle and all that. I mean, that that will build afterwards. But yeah, Bill, build it's like they brought afterwards. him. Bill will build afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, it is it is an interesting introduction for him. But uh, he's the main hook for next week. I mean, and, uh, that is, well, I was going to say next yeah. week is our last ever episode in a pre-Logan world. We, oh, really? As of the following week, we know who Logan is. So this is the last ever episode of 24. Is it episode 83 of 24 that we do not live in a Charles Logan world? 80 will be episode 87 next week. So there you go. And as I already said, next week is kind of a companion piece to this episode, uh, which is, it'll kind of be fun comparing those. But uh, uh, anything from the plot synopsis you want to read? Uh, that is a great question, Colin. Uh, let's have a look at it, shall we? Uh, that, of course, would be the part where I would read the following, which says, <laughs> of course, um, Marwan decides to trade Jack for Beirut in hopes of distracting CTU from the real objective. Tony and Michelle weigh the consequences of the trade and Curtis interrogates Beirut about Marwan. Mitch Anderson is getting prepared to take off. The pilot is called Mitch Anderson. <laughs> that's his name yes and uh, we meet meg yay meg and meg comes in next week yes now Shut i know up, who meg. meg is i know who you're talking about <laughs> uh we will be having at the time this episode airs are we getting ready for our next movie recaps i think we are colin um yes. they are happening at the moment which are great um they of course are happening um do we want to tell people what they are uh what are we doing this month dc, DC month. Month. Uh, they start next yeah. month yeah that's right next week or this week i don't know within the next 10 days uh <laughs> so i guess we started with wonder woman 1984 which yeah i haven't seen since it came out and i remember i enjoyed it and i think you didn't from memory so uh i enjoyed parts of it i'm gonna be interested to watch because I've, I've seen the movie three times but all three times i watched it was within the first like two three months of its release so this will be my first time watching it in well over what two years i guess um but well, that'll three, basically three now was it no 2021 well, it was 2020 yeah, yeah, yeah no, 2020 it came you're out. right yeah yeah but um yeah, we're basically doing the next stage. Now that we basically know that the DCEU is at least going to be transitioning or most of it ending, we're going to be wrapping those up. So we got these four movies. 
uh, the, the next four, I guess, Wonder Woman 84, uh, what is it, The Suicide Squad, Black Adam. Zack Snyder's, yeah. We're gonna and Zack Snyder's and Justice League we're going to include, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then later next year or something like that, we'll cover the other four movies. But uh, we'll be doubling our output in about 10 days, somewhere around there. Yay. And it, yay. <laughs> and none of it's going to include Noah. So get excited. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I deserved one of them. And we haven't mentioned Max Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to add. Um, and we'll probably soon be starting to talk about um, Oscar movies as well, because uh, leading into the Academy Awards, we're going to hopefully cover all the best picture nominated movies once a day or however many days it takes us till we get there. We don't know how many. There's not, not any nominations out at the time we're Yeah, the time we're recording this, uh, the time you're listening to this, they're out. But at the time we're recording this, they're not out. So um, we will... Hopefully we talk about Academy Award nominee Brendan Fraser. Yes. So that it have a good ring to it. Oh. And you know what I'm excited about? Uh, you guys talk about Breaking Bad, but I don't know if you know this, but there is an actor from uh, the Breaking Bad universe. I guess more so that they were in Better Call Saul. No, somebody from Better Call Saul is considered the front runner right now for one of the supporting categories. And I saw the movie and I'm like, they're probably going to win this. Did they win a Golden You'd be Globe shocked. Or? I don't know if they did. I don't think, no, they didn't win a Golden Globe, but you'd be shocked. Who, basically, it's Mike's daughter oh. or daughter-in-law from Better Call Saul or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, She's yeah. like considered the front runner right now for this movie, The Banshees of Inishirin, which yeah. is with Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell unbelievable that and i just thought it was so funny when i was watching this i'm like she's probably gonna get nominated and might even win the oscar this year and nobody else from better call saul or uh breaking bad has been even nominated as far as i know as yeah, far as the major Bri- people brian go. cranston's been nominated for an oscar before oh yeah he got nominated for what was it trumbo or whatever but yeah. uh but, yeah. but having said that, good connections to our shows because it looks like Michelle Yeoh could be an Oscar winner based yeah. on... Um, I mean, that's amazing. Let's good on her. So. And the fun fact, Michelle Yeoh, connecting it back to car racing months, she's married to Jean Todd, who used to be the head of Ferrari and then the head of the FIA. So she's connected to the Formula One world. So there you go. You can tell that we're recording this right after the Golden Globes came yeah. out. <laughs> also, the Just, kid who played short round won Best Supporting Actor. Oh, is that him? Is probably gonna get, yeah, and he's probably getting an Oscar. <laughs> First movie he's made in over 20 years. Good for him. And I think 30, 30 years. First movie he made. He didn't even want to act in it. And then they said, we want you to come out of retirement and do this movie. He's got a Golden Globe now. He's probably getting well, nominated for an Oscar. And we're going to be talking about Short Round maybe later this year. i got to say, yeah, we are talking about the Golden Globes. I mean, like if Brendan Fraser was going to, and Brendan Fraser was never going to win a Golden Globe because we know he like yeah. took a stand against him. So that was never going to happen. But I mean, I'm glad Austin Butler won. I mean, he might have killed Lisa Marie yeah. Presley, but I don't know how that works. <laughs> but um, also Evan Peters winning. I just started watching Dharma this week and it's great. And I fucking love Evan Peters. So um, good, good winners. Yeah. And, and so weird. Everybody yeah. gives up on the Golden Globes, and then this year seems like, wow, I kind of wish I watched the Golden Globes. Who hosted it this year? I didn't like see uh, it. There was some some comedian. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, Noah Groves. Yeah, some or... guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Golden Globes month uh, coming soon. We're going to yeah. recap this past year's uh, ceremony. Um, but, yeah, movies will be coming back, and I'm sure we'll have some movie reviews soon and other stuff. But they'll definitely be 24 because we're going to keep doing this. Um, I'm not Noah. I'm still here. Until we Ben's die. not Noah. Yeah, until we die or Ben gets hauled off to jail for driving a white van. Um, My name is Colin and (laughs) put your clothes on, Ben. And my name is Ben and 
I know this is a terrible time. And I'll start again. And my name is Ben, and I know this is terrible timing. But the president has called, and I need to leave and learn how to do closing lines. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right. Your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)